As we've seen in the book of Ezra, Haggai comes on the scene after the rebuilding of the temple had already started when the Israelites returned from their Babylonian captivity. There were about 50,000 of the people that returned. And um, they eagerly started in rebuilding the temple. And then because of opposition and other events in their own life, um, external and internal opposition, they ceased work. And for about 16 years, they just went about living their lives um, and no longer were rebuilding the temple. And they were more concerned about their own priorities, their own comforts, their own um, desires. And this is the scene then that Haggai comes on. They had been distracted and he was raised up of God to bring a specific message. And the message that he brought he, he really was calling them out. I mean, <clears throat> you know, I'm sure you've had instances in your life where you've been called out. By that I mean you were called to accountability for some actions that you did. Um, a good coach will call out his players. I can remember when I was wrestling, the coach, I can remember him meeting me at the edge of the mat after a match and saying, Dennis, what were you doing? And I'm like, I was trying to wrestle, you know. All week we we emphasized, keep your head up, keep your head up. And your head was out there like someone had chopped it off and it was rolling around on the mat. I mean, and... He called me out. And he did that because he wanted me to be better. He wanted me to do better. I mean, in that, that's when you respond one of two ways. There were were individuals that then said, I hate Brainerd. Coach Brainerd was his name. They wouldn't, if you're saying it like that, you don't give them the respect and calling them coach, you know. I hate Brainerd. He hates me. He's just always picking on me. Well, if you notice, he'd do that to others too. Or you can go in and, and along this same line, feel sorry for yourself. I can't do anything right and I'm a loser. And Yeah, look at the scoreboard. You're a loser. So what are you going to do about it, all right? Or you can say, man, I, I have got to transfer what I'm learning in practice to the match. I do need to respond to this. I do need to, to respond differently. Um, you know, once you start thinking about the times in your life that, that you've been called out, um, it, it's another aspect of we all have a hall of shame, you know what I'm saying? That we wish we could go back and 
and redo some things. But here, Haggai was raised up and, and God sent him really to call out these people. And the first thing he points out to them is that you have wrong priorities. They were brought back to rebuild the temple and for 16 years they didn't do anything to that end. So he says, look at this. My temple is laying in waste and you're over here. You have your nice houses you're, you're put up this nice wood in your homes and your priority, and he said, is not my house, but it's your house. The work of the Lord and the glory of God must be our number one priority. And Haggai called them out and he said, consider your ways. Their purpose wasn't just to build the temple, but to build it for God's glory. The, the temple was where God's glory would be manifested. The ultimate end was the glory of God. And so he's saying, your priority is not the glory of God. Now he said, he continues in stepping back. And, and he said, verse 5 and verse 7, consider your ways. And, and he goes in and he says, you've sown much, you bring in little, you eat but you're not satisfied, you clothe yourself, you're not warm. I, I like the phrase that's used there, you earn wages to put in a bag with holes. How many of you can relate to that, right? It's like, where'd it go? I mean, where did the money go? It's gone. You put it in a bag with holes. But he's saying, and he's illustrating here, and, and he, you looked for much and little came of it. He's illustrating your life is filled with frustration. Nothing will satisfy when we seek the comfort and security in the world as opposed to God's purpose and God's mission. Charles Spurgeon said, My soul has learned yet more fully than ever that there is no satisfaction to be found in earthly things. God alone can give rest to my spirit. As to my business, my possessions, my family, my attainments, these are all well enough in their way, but they cannot fulfill the desires of an immortal nature. They cannot. Nothing here. And it will all lead to frustration. And, and many times we are frustrated with life because we have our wrong priorities. And that's what Haggai came and he called them out. He said, you have the wrong priorities and you wonder, why aren't things going the way we want? The answer is because of the wrong priorities. 
So, so he did. He called them out. Consider your ways. Are, are your ways invested for God's glory? He's calling out the children of Israel through Haggai. Holding them accountable for their actions. Many times over, we can look back to instances in our life where God has called this out. This last week, um, my, my left elbow was, the arthritis was really acting up and still is to a certain degree. And it reminded me, this left elbow acts up because literally, and it made me go back in my mind, 50 years ago today, God called me out. My life's priorities were wrestling. And in a wrestling practice designed to go easy so no one got injured, I dislocated my elbow. And as I was laying in the hospital bed after surgery to deal with this, God's Spirit was dealing in my life and He called me out. Well, I was praying, God, I want to glorify you through wrestling, so help me win. There was only one way I could glorify God. That was through winning. And God said, you know what? You're just tagging me on. You're just using me for your priorities. And, and when you get called out by God... There's no wiggle room. And in most instances, when we're called out, we're wise if we realize there's no wiggle room. Just take responsibility, learn from it, and go on. Don't stand there and make excuses. And, and God called me out there, and I did one of these kind of um, halfway repentance. And I said, okay, God, I want to put you first, and I'm going to go off to college, and I'm going to pursue radio and television because I want to be a sportscaster, and I'll go to a Christian school to learn that. And God said, okay, go ahead. I knew what he wanted me to do. And I went there and I was miserable, miserable. I hated it. And, and one Sunday morning in church, as I was sitting there in my misery, I enjoyed my studies in radio and television and that. But it was like the preacher was right in my face. I was in the balcony. But it was like right here. Just because you're at a Bible college doesn't mean you're right with God. And it was like God called me out. And there at that point, it was no longer a time of a partial repentance. I went back to my dorm room. And I knelt beside my bed 
And I said, okay, God, whatever you want, I don't care. I'm tired of fighting. I'm tired of this frustration. I'm tired of not glorifying you. I'm tired of trying to fit you into my plans. I'm tired of me running it. And it's amazing. That, that college changed. I don't know what they did. When I left that dorm room, the, the grass looked greener. Everything looked better. Everything was better. Nothing changed there. It changed here. And until we get right priorities, until we get um, that God's glory is the number one thing in our life, I don't care what happens in your life, you will be filled with frustration. And it will ultimately lead to that. So, um, I was thinking, if, if God were to send a Haggai to us today, what would be some, some things that he might bring up? What would he call us out on? And I think one of the first things that he'd call us out on is the use of our time. You know how many times people say, uh, you know, I know I should... I know I should do more and better with my time alone with God, but man, I'm just so busy. So busy pursuing what? I I know that that I ought to get in the Word, but boy, I have a hard time fitting it into my schedule. Why is that? Because it is not a priority. That's why. Yeah, but I've got young kids or I've got all this going on and, and I'm not a morning person or not a night person. Or what? We've got all these things, but the bottom line is it's not a priority to us. I... I know I should be meditating in the Word and memorizing God's Word, but, but I, I just can't memorize. But you can tell me what the five-day forecast is. You've memorized that. You can tell me what the stock market did this last week. You can tell me how much gas prices have fluctuated in the last ten days. There's a lot of things you and I memorize. We, we know what our sports team is doing or what the cattle prices are. We know all these things. Hang on. We can memorize stuff. But it's not a priority to memorize God's Word. To spend time in it. See, we're here for God's kingdom. But are we? In, in the use of our time, the use of our time in regard to God and His Word and seeking after the Word. 
in the use of our time regarding church. And, and I don't, honestly, I don't say this at all um, for any benefit of my own. But let me ask you something. When, when we gather together and you're not here, are you doing it, whatever you're doing, and you say, it's because I'm advancing God's kingdom more by doing this. I mean, seriously. Like I said, getting called out, we can respond in one of two ways. I mean, we have church, we dismiss, and we have Sunday school. And I don't keep track, but I know there's a lot fewer here for Sunday school than there is for church. And it doesn't matter if we had Sunday school first. or So I ask this question, when you leave, are you doing something to advance the kingdom of God greater than it would have been if you were here? So the use of our time. How much of our time do we think it's all for me? I have this pleasure and this work and this entertainment and this relaxation. Our time is for the glory of God. They say for a priority on... For determining the priorities of your life, look at two things. How you spend your time, and secondly, how you spend your money. <clears throat> what percentage of your resources are invested in kingdom work for God's cause and kingdom? And I understand, I'm the... And again, I'm not saying that God is richly provided for this church. I'm saying this for your benefit. I'm saying this you can't you can't outgive God. And you're wondering why the holes in your bag are bigger and bigger. It may be because we're not concerned about glorifying God with our resources. And I understand there are many needs that we have. But in all of those needs, we can glorify God. How many things do we need? How many toys do we need? How many sets of clothes? This is all convicting to me. All this is, has come down upon me as well. What do we really need? And then our relationships with one another. We have gone through series. We have reviewed these of, <clears throat> of ministries to one another. We are commanded to know one another, to love one another. To be hospitable to one another. To submit to one another. 
to forbear one another, to forgive one another, to pray for one another, to bear one another's burdens, to build up one another, to encourage one another to good works, to comfort one another, serve one another, speak not evil one of another. So how are you doing in the one another? Um, I'm going to ask Jay if he'll pull up our memory verses here. Are you able to do that? Yeah, he is, man. Okay, let's just look at this. Put on, therefore, as the elect of God, holy and beloved, bowels of mercy. Who do you need mercy for? Others, right? Kindness. Where is that focus? Others. Humbleness of mind. Philippians said, let each esteem others better than themselves. What can I learn from them? Nothing. Because I'm better than they are. No. Humbleness of mind. I can learn. Humbleness of mind. Meekness. That's giving up my rights. Long-suffering. Then go on the next verse. Let's say it together. Forbearing one another and forgiving one another. If any man have a quarrel against any, even as Christ forgave you, so also do ye. That's all one another stuff. But when we're put together with one another, what happens? There's things I don't like about one another. Well, forbear. To the glory of God. That's God's purpose. That's God's plan. But the vast majority have people that you really hope your life doesn't intersect with. To the glory of God? Well, He's called me to peace and it's best if I don't have anything to do with them because that will be peace. That's not peace. That's carnality. See, I'm meeting you at the edge of the mat right now, aren't I? Because you know what's worse than not being called out? Is when the coach sits on the bench and doesn't meet you and doesn't say anything to you and you get the message, he doesn't care or he sees me as hopeless And there's no help there. That's the worst thing. And I want, several weeks ago, God led us to Ephesians 3, that the church should be to the glory of God. Well, for us to be to the glory of God, it's going to require that we minister one to another. Let let me just read a paraphrase of 1 Corinthians 13. If I speak with human eloquence and angelic ecstasy, but don't love, I am nothing but a, the creaking of an old rusty gate. If I speak God's word with power, revealing all his mysteries and making everything plain as day, and if I have faith that says to a mountain, jump, And it jumps, but I don't love. I'm nothing. If I give everything I own to the poor and even go to the stake to be burned as a martyr, 
but I don't love, I've gotten nowhere. So no matter what I say, no matter what I believe, no matter what I do, I'm bankrupt without love. So what does love do? Love never gives up. Love cares more for others than for self. Love doesn't want what it doesn't have. Love doesn't strut. It doesn't have a swelled head. It doesn't force itself on others. It isn't always me first. It doesn't fly off the handle. It doesn't keep score of others' sins. It doesn't revel when others grovel. It takes pleasure in the flowering of truth. Puts up with anything. Trusts God always. Always looks for the best. Never looks back, but keeps going to the end. Love never dies. And it goes on and says various things will pass away. But it ends this chapter. But for right now, until that which is complete has come, we have three things to do to lead us to that consummation. Number one, trust steadily in God. Number two, hope unswervingly. Number three, love extravagantly. And the best of these three is love. So God puts us in situations because He knows we'll be glorified when we learn love. But that means that I'll never give up. I'll care more for them than for myself. I will bear all things and believe all things and hope all things. G.K. Chesterton, we've read this quote before, but says, Going to church with hundreds of people to sit and hear a sermon doesn't ask much of you. It certainly will never expose you. That's why most folks prefer it. And John Eldridge said, Most churches survive because everyone keeps a polite distance from others. We keep our meetings short, our conversations superficial. And that's not to the glory of God. To love one another. To speak not evil one of another. What do we find easier to do? To speak evil one of another? Or to pray one for another? See... When my coach would meet me, when my dad, my dad preaching from the pulpit would say, Dennis, straighten up. You know what? I said. I didn't go, but, 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 but. There are no ifs, ands, or buts about it. And why did he do that? Was it for his personal interest? He did that because he loved me. And Haggai was raised up of God because he loved those people. How long would they have continued? 16, 18, 25? Would they ever have rebuilt the temple to the glory of God? God's called us another area I believe that he'd addressed with us in this aspect of of. Calling us out would be the lost. Jesus Christ came for what purpose? To seek and save the lost. We are called to be, these are terms he uses, fishers of men, salt, light, 
witnesses, ambassadors, all of those have to do with the lost. It's not about just getting God to meet my needs and give me grace for my trials that I'm going through. It's, it's about being a representative to represent Christ's grace and His power and behold our God. What a mighty God we serve to those that don't know Christ. So, Haggai came and he called them out. And we read that Zerubbabel and Joshua and the remnant of the people in verse 12, they obeyed the voice of the Lord their God. And the words of Haggai the prophet as the Lord God sent him and the people feared the presence of the Lord. Their obedience led to repentance. Their repentance led to obedience. They're simultaneous. But they were motivated by the fear of the Lord. They were motivated by the presence of God. They were motivated by God. They obeyed the voice of, the God, of God and it was manifested. They got up and went to work. Obedience is manifested through actions. It's not just through good intentions. Knowledge alone doesn't get it done. Good intentions don't change anything. So they had the wrong priorities. Their life was filled with frustration. They were called out in certain areas and pointed out, you've got the wrong priorities. You're not committed to the glory of God. But when they were, they repented. And as a result of that, verse 13, the message of the Lord from Haggai then said, I am with you, says the Lord. God's presence makes all the difference in the world. What is one of the common themes that came out in Joseph's life? All the catastrophes of Joseph's life, but it says the Lord was with him. The Lord was with him when he was thrown in the pit. The Lord was with him when he was thrown in prison. The Lord was with him. What made the difference in the three Hebrews? The Lord was with them. They, they said... Whether God save, we know God can save us from this fire, but whether He does or not, doesn't matter. We're not going to turn. And because of their obedience, the Lord was with them. We say, well, the Lord's always with us. The Lord dwells within us, but the Lord is not always in fellowship with us. There's times, as I've seen in my life, couple of them that I've mentioned, but where I was going my own way and asking the Lord, I was a believer, but asking the Lord to bless my plans to my glory, and when I'm glorified, then I'll, I'll give you the, yeah, thanks, Lord. But it really was about what I want. I don't like this. I don't like that. God's perspective and God's presence makes all the difference in the world. 
And it's so important for us to realize that these areas that He calls us out are the areas that, that we need to turn. That's what repentance is. To turn and walk in obedience. And that's why the one another is such, such a big thing. Oneness with God. Marilyn shared at their conference yesterday that this statement was made. Oneness with God is based on your oneness with one another. You know, and I could go through all we have. We preached a series weeks on end of the one another thing. The point is not just to have some hospitality to give someone a meal. The point is to get to know them, to come alongside, to see how you can bear their burdens, to see what you can learn from them. The point is is functioning as a body. It's not just about... But see, it's easy for us to... Well... I'm not a very good cook, or our house isn't good, or this or that. or that, That's just not me. It doesn't matter if it's you. If it's what God's called us to do, then you step out by faith and you do it. And that's what repentance is. God, I don't really want to do this. It's not me that wants to do this. But I see your ways are best. Your ways are not my ways. Your ways are higher than my ways. And your ways are perfect. I, even when, when I said, okay, God, whatever you want me to do, in the back of my mind, I'm thinking, man. See, I'm, I'm going from a sports broadcaster. I know what God's going to do. This is in the back of my flesh is saying, He's going to send me to the darkest, deepest jungles of Africa where back in that day, you couldn't even get radio to listen to a game. You know what I'm saying? Number one... It tells me my wrong attitude toward God, that God, oh, He likes this, I'm going to send the completely opposite. And number two, I'm wrestling with what I want, submitting to God's, and that's the battle of the Christian life. But the more we fill ourselves with God's Word and His ways, and the more we yield the more we say to God, God, thank you, thank you, thank you. This morning, I went out to water the cows and I said, God, it doesn't seem possible it was 50 years ago that you called me out. And God, I can't thank you enough. I was mad at God right then and there. God, you have called me out many times over, and you're always right. And God, you have been so merciful and gracious, and behold our God. Nothing can compare. 
In just a moment, we're going to hear the song, Change My Heart, O God. Listen, every one of us have areas that God's calling us out. None of us here have it all together. None of us can say, I don't need my heart changed. We need our hearts changed. And, and this is what the book of Haggai is about, the glory of God. We, we can go on and go through motions, but where is the glory of God? Where is the power of God that's mightily seen? You notice they didn't address the Babylonians here. They addressed the children of God. And when the children of God responded to being called out, then the power of God was with them. That's that's what we need, the power of God. Like I said, and I've seen it, the worst thing is when the coach just sits on the bench and doesn't say anything to you. And you know what? The Holy Spirit does that in our lives too. When we've grieved the Spirit and quenched the Spirit, He just sits there. You've, you've resisted the Spirit of God. The more you resist the Spirit of God, the less you hear Him. And we can go on and, and the frustration will eventually continue in our life. And God will pursue us. But the worst judgment God can give is to let us have our own way. And I look back at the many times God has called me out and, and I look back and say, thank you, God. Change our hearts. Lord, I pray that you would help each and every one of us to know what your spirit is asking us to do today. Lord, I rejoice that you know our hearts, that you know my heart, even in, in this message that you've brought. And Lord, I pray that there would be great glory brought to you as we turn from the ways of pursuing our own desires to live our lives for the glory of you. Lord, the spiritual warfare is great. The flesh rationalizes and excuses. But Lord, I pray that there would be fresh working of your spirit in my life and in each of our lives. We pray for your glory in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's